It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello, everybody. What's up? And welcome into Best on the Board here at the Athletic. It is Friday, September 10th. Michael Beller and Casey Joyner here with you to talk you through our favorite plays for Sunday. It could be for Monday as well. I don't think we have any Monday plays on the show here today, but Monday will be involved also. Just no Thursday since, you know, of course, that already happened. But the NFL season underway and we are pumped to get going here on best on the board KC what did you think of the game last night uh very exciting lots of uh, fireworks lots of, lots of high scoring lots of have happy fantasy managers especially if you had Amari Cooper in your lineup which I did in one of mine so quite happy to see that 30 plus points he gave me in that league yeah Amari going off Chris Godwin going off Antonio Brown the quarterbacks Rob Gronkowski uh, pretty much everyone unless you are invested in Mike Evans or Ezekiel Elliott feeling very good about the uh, week one start that their fantasy team is off to so uh, a great way to get the season started to get week one started we're gonna keep it rolling here on best on the board we've both got Three picks for you. We'll roll through all three of those picks. And didn't have to happen this way. Just did unfold this way that we both have one total, one side, and one player prop. We're going to go to your total first here, KC. Jaguars and Texans getting together in Houston. Uh, Jaguars are road favorites in this game, favored by a field goal. At my last check, you, however, are going to that total. Trevor Lawrence uh, debut should be fun. You like the over 45 and a half here. Explain why. I do. I've got a metric called matchup points. It measures the strength of a matchup on a 1 to 100 scale, with 100 being the most favorable. Houston in this matchup gets 85 matchup points in the passing game from Jacksonville and 95 matchup points in the rushing game. Jacksonville also, their defense, if you're looking at their pass blocking matchup points, how they match up against Houston's offense, 100 passing block matchup points. So you think of the Houston just traded away its best cornerback to New Orleans. There's a lot of pass to a high scoring contest here that will lead to the over. And I look at last year and go, Jacksonville scored 24 or more points in seven games last year with less talent than they have this season. Houston's got a play-calling mindset from a head coach who wants to run the ball. He's got the running backs in the line to do it and the matchup to do it. So I don't think there's a lot of – I think there are a lot of pass for Jacksonville to get to 24. And if they get to 24, I think Houston gets to you know, at least you know, about the same. So high-scoring contest this, but I think it could be 27-24 between these teams. So I'm going to take the over. Yeah, it's, uh, it's sort of off the board in terms of the over with it being just at 45 and a half. And, you know, no one expects much of anything from Houston this year. Jacksonville, we do have some uh, more bullish hopes for. But, you know, first game for Urban Meyer, first game for Trevor Lawrence. So I think people are pulling back off of this one. I, I want to ask if you if this one ultimately does go under, if it goes wrong for you, where do you think what's the trouble spot for winning this bet? Trevor Lawrence. He only got half of his. Uh, he only got. Uh, 
half the snaps this preseason is all he mm-hmm. got for the snaps. I mean, again, they put him with Gardner Minshew. They said, we're going to go ahead and split uh, split snaps with you. I don't know why you do that. I mean, because Gardner Minshew is not going to be your quarterback, but they went ahead and did that. And now, obviously, Gardner's in Minnesota or in Philadelphia. So I look at that and go, that would be the thing that you didn't develop your quarterback enough this preseason. If I had to say there's one thing that's going to keep that from happening, that Lawrence maybe throws a couple of picks and such. And, uh, and I don't think his rushing ability is what people think that it is. He's a passer first, so it's not like he's a dual-threat quarterback quarterback couldn't come in and give you 20 carries like say Jalen Hurts was doing last year at times for the right. Eagles he's a guy who's going to be throwing and that's it so I think that would be the problem if they're if it does go to the under excited to see this Jacksonville offense uh, in full bloom or in something approximating full bloom as they get going with Lawrence with Urban Meyer with all those new receivers around him as well so this will be a fun one to watch you are on the over 45 and a half I'm gonna go to my side for my first one because I think this is my favorite play of the entire weekend I'm liking the Broncos sitting at minus three against the Giants yes they are a road favorite and maybe we want to stay away from road favorites who aren't obvious favorites not talking about like San Francisco and Detroit or something like that uh and week one, right? We, we think we know something about these teams, but it's week one. We don't really know uh, much about any team who's not at maybe the extreme. So I could see wanting to stay away from that. But KC, I think this Giants team could be a mess this season. And, you know, we have the uh, Dan Duggan, our Giants beat reporter, uh, just a couple of days ago saying that they still don't know uh, as of Wednesday what the offensive line is going to look like, what the makeup of the line is going to be in front of Daniel Jones. And it's like, uh, guys... The game's in like four days. You might want to figure this one out. So that's a major issue. Daniel Jones himself is an issue. Saquon Barkley probably not at 100% in this game. Kenny Galladay didn't see the field all summer. Maybe he doesn't play at all in this game. You're talking about all those offensive issues at quite literally every single spot on the offense going up against a Broncos defense that we know can get after the quarterback with Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, made some big additions in the secondary this year, getting Kyle Fuller from Chicago, reuniting him with Vic Fangio, getting Ronald Darby, getting Patrick Sertan. I mean, that is a very good defense from front to back. And so I just look at this and I say, even if you're not sold on Teddy Bridgewater as the starting quarterback in Denver, even if you're not sure what Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon look like on offense, like, where are the Giants going to get their points in this game? I just think they're going to have a lot of trouble scoring, and I think that Denver's defense can control the game, and then I actually am a little bit bullish on this Denver offense. So I really, really like the Broncos in this spot. My favorite play on the board for Week 1. Couldn't agree more as far as the Broncos being a percentage play because you mentioned their defense being strong as this. Bridgewater, if nothing else... If nothing else, you know he's going to be the percentage play. If you have Drew Locke out there, you can say, well, man, if Drew Locke has a bad game, then things could go south. Bridgewater's probably not going to do that. They're receiving core strong. I'm more bullish on, on Gordon than most people, and I think he wins going to make for a good tandem. And yet, if your offensive line, so goes the line of scrimmage, so goes the game. And the Giants are going mm-hmm. to lose the line of scrimmage on offense and probably in a bad way. So usually wouldn't take a West Coast team going east, but in this case, I'm on board him. Yeah, and then just one point on that last uh, that last one, right? So this is is West going East, but it's just two time zones, not one coming from Mountain to Eastern and a late kickoff. This is a 425 p.m. Eastern kickoff in New Jersey. So it's not like we're talking about, you know, the Chargers having to go all the way across the country to D.C. and then kicking off at 1 p.m. Eastern, which is part of the reason I'm staying away from that game. Absolutely not staying away from this one. Give me the Broncos all day long laying the field goal on the road against the Giants. Let's move on to some player props here, KC, and uh, one of the most fun games, I think probably the most fun game of the day, at least the biggest game for NFL implications, Browns 
and Chiefs in Kansas City. Chiefs are six, six and a half point favorites, depending on where you look. This should be a really fun game. I think a lot of people are expecting some fireworks in this one. You have a prop picked out. What is it and why do you like it? I've got Kareem Hunt for the over of 34 and a half rushing yards. Only 34 and a half rushing yards. That alone made me think, and I started looking at it and said, okay, well, take a look at these other factors. Nick Chubb, he's played seven collegiate and NFL seasons, and in has all seven of those seasons, his career single season high in scrimmage plays, touches, is 237. That's it. He's never been a bell cow. At best, he's a lead back. The Browns know he's not going to be able to take on that, that bell cow workload. They're going to have to split the carries, especially because now we get a 17-game season. I think this is going to be a more run-centric game than people think because the Chiefs rebuilt their offensive line not to give them passing ability. They want that. But if you look at their 2019 run in the last 15 games of that season, I believe they threw for 300 or more net passing yards only four times. They were more run-centric than people think they're in the Super Run. That's what they want to get back to. So they're going to run the ball. You know the Browns want to run the football. And Hunt last year, he tallies 37 or more rushing yards 11 times. And he had 33 or more rushing yards 13 times. That's last year. And I think they're going to have to split the carries even more this year. So recent history also strongly suggests he can hit that mark. I think that he may get that. Uh, I think he could easily get 50 or 60 yards because I think they're going to give him at least 10 touches or 10 carries. And if they do, he's going to obliterate this number. Yeah, I think the prop market is one of the softer markets early in the season because it's understandable. I mean, you you were going on a lot of what we saw last season. Again, you're going on things that we haven't seen for this season. So it's understandable uh, that it would be maybe one that we feel we can exploit a little bit more, so much as you can exploit any sort of market in a very, very well-researched National Football League. This is one I like as well. I'm not. I'm staying away from it personally. I'm staying away from a lot in this game, but I do think that the Browns being the Browns are going to be able to lean on what they want to do. And it's one thing to say, you know, we know what that Chiefs offense is. We want to slow the game down. We want to control possessions and we want to maybe shorten this game as much as possible. It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to actually have the personnel to do it. And the Browns are one of the handful of teams that has the personnel to be able to do it with Chubb, with Hunt, and with that offensive line. So I would not be surprised to see that sort of game plan come from them. And Hunt's uh, props definitely sitting at an intriguing total 34 and a half rush yards. You take the over. I'm also looking at a running back. I am also looking at an over, but I'm looking at an over in receiving yards. And for me, it's Aaron Jones to go over 19 and a half receiving yards uh, against the Saints. This is a neutral site game. It was supposed to be in New Orleans, but got relocated to Jacksonville because of Hurricane Ida. And, you know, the the uh, Aaron Jones uh, doomsayers always want to come with something. After his monster year a couple of years ago, it's like, oh, well, he can't possibly score 19 rushing touchdowns again. He's definitely going to regress. And yeah, he regressed and he still gave you, what, 1,500 yards from scrimmage and 15 touchdowns last year. It's like, oh, well, Jamal Williams had that role in the offense. And sure, Jamal Williams is gone now, but uh, A.J. Dillon is going to be involved in the offense. And A.J. Dillon may be even a more dangerous short yardage runner than Aaron Jones. And I don't know if I buy that, but even if I grant that, something I know A.J. Dillon is not better than Aaron Jones, or Jamal Williams, that for that matter, is catching the football. And Aaron Jones, I feel, has been one of the more under-the-radar, dangerous pass catchers out of the backfield over the last couple of seasons. Last year, he had 63 targets, caught 47 for 355 yards. The year before that, 68, caught 49 for 474 yards and three touchdowns. And KC, we can even go back to that 2018 season when he came on strong in the second half of the year for the Packers. Just eight starts that year, but still 35 targets, 26 catches, 206 yards. This is a very, very good pass catcher. And I mean, this 19 and a half number, 
to me, that's that's two or three catches. I mean, if he gets two or three catches, I think he gets easily past that number. And I think we could be talking about a guy who, after having 4.2 targets per game uh, two years ago and four and a half last year, could be a five target per game guy in Green Bay's offense this season. So I think he sails past this number. I think this is the lowest that we see Aaron Jones receiving yardage prop all season long. Bobby, you could, you could not agree more on that. And you dance with Hubrungi early in the season. We don't know what these offenses are. And I think that the offensive coordinators of these teams are going to take the same approach and say, we don't exactly know who we are. We know what Eric Jones is, as you were just mentioning, <laughs> even over the past couple of years. Right? Even when they take some of his workload away, they still know who he is. I don't know that they know who A.J. Dillon is, but they do know, as you say, Dillon can't catch the ball. And I think this may be, end up being a, high, a higher scoring game than is generally thought, because I think New Orleans is going to realize we have to throw, we have to be aggressive. If you've got Winston under center, you're going to be throwing the ball a ton. So if it, it turns into a shootout contest, I think that leans into Jones catching more passes even more heavily. So I like this. Yeah, I think it's dangerous to take college reception stats for running backs and try to say, oh, he didn't do this in college, so he's not going to do it in the NFL. Different games, different styles. Uh, colleges just generally don't ask their backs to catch passes in the way NFL teams do. But I will say, for what it's worth, three years at Boston College in which A.J. Dillon was getting 300-plus carries, 21 total receptions. So we really haven't seen it from him. Can he do it? You know, maybe he can do it, but we haven't seen him be a receiving threat at any point of his college or professional career. We have seen it in spades from Aaron Jones over the last few seasons. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, KC, one more pick a piece for each of us. As I said at the top, we both had a side, a total, and a prop. We've heard your total and your prop, my side and my prop. So that means you've got a side coming up, and I sort of hinted at it a little bit. 49ers going on the road to take on the Lions, one of the more lopsided matchups of week one, and you like the road favorite. I think this is easy money. I mean, this is hands down by far the biggest mismatch in week one. I mentioned matchup points total earlier. San Francisco gets a perfect 100 matchup points in both passing and rushing. I mean, they can choose their path. Jimmy Garoppolo is playing his best football because you've got Tree Lance pushing him. You've got Tree Lance there for package plays, which I think that Kyle Shanahan is going to, after the way this preseason has gone, he's going to want to display his new toy and say, hey, here's what I can do. There'll be a two-headed quarterback thing, and Lance may only be there for five or ten plays, but we might get a couple touchdowns out of it for that matter. They've got Raheem Mostert, one of the best breakaway backs in the league. When he's healthy, he's healthy. They get a big play rookie in Trey Sermon. They get a healthy George Kittle, a healthy Debo Samuel, who's one of the best receivers in the league on a yards-per-target basis. When Again, when he's healthy, which he is right now, they get Nick Bosa back after he only played two games last year. I mean, I could keep going. There's just one thing <laughs> after another. And Detroit, look, yep. they've got a new coach, a new coaching staff, new quarterback, a quarterback who McVay didn't even trust to throw passes, said he was more like a pupil than, than he was uh, an, an equal. I mean, I just see so many things wrong for Detroit, and I see this being a disaster. Normally, hey, West Coast team going east, I'm going to be uh, be careful about that. But if it weren't for that, San Francisco going all it were if it weren't for this being week one and San Francisco having to go to Detroit, this would be what I would say it was a 10 confidence game. San Francisco will easily cover seven and a half. 
Yeah, this is as lopsided as a matchup gets, certainly. And you just think about all those things working against the Lions in, in week one. Even if you even if you buy them as being a little bit more competent than they are getting credit for, because uh, they do have a pretty decent offensive line. They have invested in that over the last few years. And there's some veterans on that team, uh, especially on the offensive side. Like, it's just a bad spot for a new coaching staff and a new quarterback against a team in the 49ers who, I mean, you listed it all. The impartial fan of me really wants to see this team stay healthy because this could be a very fun, competitive, Super Bowl contending team if they are healthy all season long, unlike a year ago. It's it's a tough, tough spot for the Lions. And so I think uh, just laying the seven and a half, I agree with you. If this were week three, I wouldn't be surprised if this were sitting at ten and a half, even if it were still in Detroit. This uh, feels like one that's, uh, you know, priced in such a way that we are acknowledging that we don't know exactly what these teams are. And we're going to learn that San Francisco quite a bit better than Detroit this weekend. So this is one that I absolutely can get on board with. And hey, all you survivor pool people out there, most popular pick on the board is San Francisco against Detroit with the uh, 49ers getting somewhere in the neighborhood of about 30% of survivor picks leading into the weekend. I've got a total here. I'm going to wrap us up with my favorite total of the week. It's another one that uh, I have wagered on already. Titans and Cardinals to go over 51 and a half. I will say that I'm occasionally wary of week one overs just for the sake of, you know, everything we've talked about here. Teams are feeling each other out. Uh, They didn't really play a ton in the preseason. You know, you are maybe a little bit winded to start the year. There's all those things that work a little bit against uh, games going over Thursday night, notwithstanding, of course, but I don't know, Casey, these two teams uh, were two of the fastest teams last year, and in neutral game situations, they were second and third in pace of play behind only Buffalo. And nothing about these teams has changed that would make you think they're going to change their stripes with what they do on offense. We know for sure Arizona isn't changing a thing under Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray at quarterback. Like This team wants to go, 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 and they are built to do it. Tennessee, on the other hand, I think we think of them as a plotting team because of uh, Derrick Henry's role, but they are not. They play fast as well, and they play incredibly efficient offensive football. That has been the case for them ever since Ryan Tannehill took over as the starter halfway through the 2019 season. So you have two teams that play fast and one team that is especially efficient in Tennessee. I think this is ripe for the game to go over. And that's before we even talk about the major defensive issues on both sides of this game. It adds up to a comfortable over for me. I think we see something akin to what we saw on Thursday night between the Buccaneers and the Cowboys, where it almost feels too good to be true for the over to be sitting in the low 50s. And then the game gets going and you're like, oh yeah, it's not too good to be true. These are just two really good offensive teams with some questionable defenses. I like this one going over. What do you got on this? I would say that teams early in the season, I mean, you don't have preseasons and you don't have offenses and defenses playing. I think the offense gets the advantage of week one because it's easier to throw people together, especially in the passing game. It's the, that's the fastest thing you can get up to speed is passing offense. And defenses tend to play more vanilla coverages early in the season. And that's why I think for the first four weeks of the year, we're going to see a lot of same thing we saw last year. A lot of high-scoring games. So remember Buffalo did last year. We had a lot of teams were able to exploit those uh, those vanilla secondaries. And I think this is a situation where you might have the same thing. Plus, you've got Julio and you've got A.J. both. So, I mean, if it does get into a shootout, now last year would have been just one target for the uh, for, for the Titans to go to. Now they've got two. So, I like a lot of pass to 51.5 or the over 51.5 on this one. 
Yeah, it's one that I uh, felt very confident about the moment that I saw it and should be a fun game between these two offensive firepower teams. Uh, KC, one more parting thought, just something else that, you know, not necessarily betting, but just something you're going to have your eye on on Sunday. Uh, something I'm going to have on Sunday. I'm curious to see what Pittsburgh does. Uh, Pittsburgh-Buffalo. Buffalo's going to want to try and turn it into a high-scoring game. Pittsburgh's going to want to try and run the football. I'm curious to see which one of those teams is going to go ahead and, and get that because there's going to be there's going to be a different style in Pittsburgh this year. They're not going to ask Ben to throw the ball 40 times. What we saw in the preseason says mm-hmm. he's still going to go vertical, and they're going to save his arm for that. But they want Najee Harris to, to get 300-plus touches this year, and Buffalo is going to play a game that would make them not do that. So I'll be curious to see how that trends out. Yeah, fun game in terms of the contrasting styles. Two teams that are going to want to play things very differently. Buffalo at home favored by six and a half. Just another one of the very fun games that we have ahead of us in week one for the NFL season. That's going to do it for this episode of Best on the Board. Thanks for being with us as we are getting this podcast up and running. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. If you are not an athletic subscriber, you can get in the door right now. 50% off. Go to theathletic.com slash best to do that. Casey and I were back with you next Friday. Best on the board returns on Monday with me and Andrew DeWitt taking an early look at week two lines. Until then, have a great weekend. Enjoy all the football coming your way. Happy betting.